Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the 50 Foot Podcast. Andrew here, and as usual, I'm joined by Kenneth. How's it going? And for this week's episode, since recently Marvel has just been pumping out so much content, we just kind of decided that we wanted to do the um, Put It In Park episode a little bit earlier, just so that we could talk about some of the things that Marvel has really recently released. And we're going to start off with talking about Loki, and I know Kenneth Good. has something that he really wants to talk about with this show. Oh, Good. But, before, but before he does, this is the spoiler warning. This is officially the spoiler warning that everyone needs to hear, because after this, we are... Yeah, we're starting right away. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about both of them. We're going to spoil everything. So if you haven't watched them, please do, and then tune in after. But, Kenneth? You can put a bookmark in this, and then you can always return to it later. But yeah, uh, so with Loki, I was really excited when this was announced, because of the MCU, I found myself more drawn towards Thor in that series, mostly because... It has that tie to Norse mythology, and I'm no expert in that by any means. Like, I had to study Greek mythology in high school, and, you know, that was fun. But for some reason, like, the, the story of Thor and Loki really drew me in. And so, especially with Tom Hilton's portrayal of it, I think it's just been great. And I don't know. I, I guess when I first started, I thought, okay, cool, Loki's there, and he has his own series. But where do they go from here? Because, you know... He already had his redemption and he got to, you know, go back to what he wanted to do and, you know, fighting alongside Thor instead of against him and, you know, being brothers and all that. So he already had this redemption through Ragnarok and the up until his death. But then this is 2012 Loki that we're dealing with. So when he's still a little S head. So, you know, that part's always fun. But I think the reason why I'm I was really excited about this is because, you know, usually when it comes to in this case, superheroes or characters, you always seem to attach to the ones who you see parts of yourself in. You know, like you see them as the best versions that, that you want to be. And so for me, I think that's where Loki stands in because, look, he's not the strongest. He's not the chosen one by any means. I mean, look, he was looked over by his adopted dad for someone who was very impulsive and warmongering and, you know, wasn't ready to be king. So he wasn't any of those things. But he was smart. Like he knew how to how to put people against each other. He understood how people work, and he was all he always seemed to be five steps ahead, and that's what made him dangerous. So part of that is why I connected with him, and also you know the whole god of mischief thing. And look, I'm I love I love Nans, you know, and look, I, and I'll say this right now because I usually don't do this, but because I know I'm going to clip this for myself. So for anyone who knows me, whether you think. I do things because I'm just goofing off or because I'm calculated. You're always going to pick the one that makes you feel more comfortable because I'll tell you it's one thing and you're going to believe it's the other one. And tell me that's not what Loki does too, because he does things because it's on his terms. And that's something that I really enjoy. And even the addition that they made in, in the series, it's not just he's the god of, god of mischief. He's also a god of outcast. You know, he's the one on the outside looking in. He's the one who... He made a play for himself just to applaud himself. And, you know, we'll get to the part about, you know, the intense amount of self-love that goes on. But I don't know. There's just something about Loki that really sticks out to me. So, you know, for everyone, like, everyone can have their superheroes. You can have, like, don't get me wrong. I still love Thor. I still love Captain America, you know, both Rogers and Wilson. But, you know, when it comes to me, like, I have my ride or die. And why? Because... He's never going to die, you know, because that's, that's the plan. Survive. 
So that's why I was excited for Loki. Not sure how to respond right now. Yeah, so so I agree with you. I, I really liked a lot of the things about the show. I liked how um, one thing that you mentioned that I really enjoyed was how in the first episode they had to catch us up in, I don't know, nine years of character development where he was, too, like you said, he was 2012 Loki and you had to catch him think, to... Didn't they go past like 2024 or something like that? post flip. I think 2023, maybe. But either way, yeah. Yeah, whatever the math is. Um, I don't actually know the year that they're... Uh, I, I assume current year, but... Um, so I like that the first episode really did all that in a very eloquent way, where we didn't need to hear, like, a lot of exposition. It was more of, like, watching him relive his entire life. Or, watching him live this part of his life that he's never seen before. Right. In literally, like, three to four videos. That was really, really quick. So I really enjoyed that, um, just how efficient that was, just because we only have six episodes. So it's kind of like, we got to like, we gotta just spend one, and then you can get there. Um, but yeah, as a, as a series as a whole, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, do, I did really enjoy the conversation of free will versus determinism, just because I know that there's a lot of people that think about that kind of stuff. And I think this kind of leaves it still open. And we're definitely going to talk about it when we get to the finale. but. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Major's acting and his introduction into the MCU was done really, really well just because Love it. it was done in a way where you know what's going to happen. For the, the people that like pay attention and like know who's getting casted for what and that sort of stuff, you knew he, was, he had hoped he was going to be in it, unless you're one of the people like me that was hoping it was just another Loki at the end of the door. Um, I thought that would be hilarious. But just the way that they introduced Kang into this into the MCU by essentially not introducing him, but introducing him was just done in a very clever way that I don't think a lot of people saw for coming just because most people were like, oh, it's just going to be Kang at the end of the door and we're good to go. But it was like, no, it's kind of, but it's not. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of topics we can dive into first. So is there anything you want to start with? Uh, I mean, we could talk about Loki, but we could also talk about the other characters who were introduced through this. And I mean, by that, <laughs> let's first talk about Mobius because at first, I couldn't shake off the fact that it was Owen Wilson, but then as the series went along, I became to I began to kind of you know brush that aside and real and yeah. appreciate him for what his character was and you know feel disappointed that he never, well at least we never see, saw him with a jet ski. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought Owen Wilson did his part really well. Um, kind of, I don't want to say playing with Loki, but kind of getting him to think about certain things, certain things when you're that intelligent and you're that I don't know mischievous, I guess. You have most things thought out, but it's always that person that brings out the second thought where you're just like, oh, I actually never thought about it that way. Um, yeah, so I did. I, th- I thought that Owen Wilson did a really good job. Ugh, excuse me. I thought that Sylvie was played her part really well, watching the two of them interact, considering they are the same person, but not the same person was really fun to watch. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned a part about self-love. I'm curious what that was about. So you can kind of take it here from with, with the Sylvie part specifically. Well, I mean, it just depends on what camp you're on in terms of, is she, well, I mean, she's introduced as a variant of Loki, but, you know, there's like, and for me, I'm not go, I don't have as much comic knowledge. So, you know, the whole, oh, is, is this Lady Loki? Is this Enchantress? Is this an original character that the writers made for this series? So it just depends how you look at it, because if it is another variant of Loki, I just think it's really interesting to note that outside of Mobius, the only person who Loki, well, our Loki could see, Tom Hilton's Loki could seem to connect with was another version of him, which I mean, both of them I mean, have connect with. Plot. They pretty much fell in love, so. 
connect with is very loose. But yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to take it that far, but yeah. I mean, yeah, they caused the like, Nexus uh, event. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like at the be- at the beginning, they talked about yeah. about Loki's narcissism, and if you want yeah. to take it to the extreme form, I mean, this guy fell that, in love that with That is himself. kind of the thing. Which I thought I I didn't I didn't think of it like that. Like when Mobius was like losing his mind, he's like, talk about narcissism. Like you fell in love with yourself, and I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of what's happening here. So I mean, look, I'm I'm glad that Loki also seemed to find genuine connection with Mobius as well, and even to the point of calling him friend. Because if the only connection he made was with himself, then I mean, I'd, I'd still be curious where they went with that. But you know, at least it's I'm very curious to see where they go with that. Yeah, I another thing you mentioned is I do I do like that this is going to season two, so yeah. we're gonna get a lot of this to be continued. And one thing that I thought was interesting, and we'll kind of talk about this when we talked about Black, about Black Widow, also, is that a lot of the three of these shows I'm talking about: Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki. <laughs> they all and and Black Widow. They all oh, have a yeah. certain like you know where they're going next. So well, except for Falcon, Winter Soldier, I have no idea where that's going. Um, Black Widow is going into Hawkeye, maybe. Uh, Black Widow is going into Hawkeye. Um, Loki is going into season two, and a lot of other uh, things too. If you really think about and, it, um, it's probably strange. No, that's not strange. It's the other one. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. That that already they already announced that Jonathan Majors is in it. So you know mm-hmm. that Kang the Conqueror is going to be important in Ant Man and the Wasp, the next movie. And then WandaVision is going straight to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So Look, a lot I'm of these shows... I'm trying to will Loki into that one as well, too. I mean, it could. Technically speaking, it could. Um, so a lot of those are really pushing through. So you can kind of see where a lot of these are going, especially even with Loki. Um, that's, the, that's the thing that's unique about Loki compared to the other ones, is the other ones are leading into movies, whereas Loki right. is the only one that's leading into another season. So yeah. that kind of leads me to the finale of it all. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the finale was fine. I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh my god, this is the greatest finale ever. Um, I kind of took it the same way I took the WandaVision finale, was this is just a necessary springboard to take us to where we need to go, right? Yep. We need to introduce Kang at some point. We need mm-hmm. to get him, we need to know he exists at some point, right? So you're going right. to see like the, we're gonna, now going to start seeing cutscenes, we're going to start seeing the uh, fine, I'll do it myself, Thanos thingy, and all that sort of stuff. So... I thought that that was done. That that was what the episode represented to me because we didn't really learn anything. Or sorry, we learned a lot, but we didn't like get answers, like final right. answers to a lot of things, right? So we, we don't know questions. where Ravona went. Is we don't know where Ravona went. We don't know what happens now. Um, I was talking about this yesterday, but like even that end scene where he's standing and it's the Kang like statue. We mm-hmm. don't know if that's the same. Let me say this correctly. We don't know if that's the same universe or he got transported to a different universe. Or like, Mobius doesn't recognize him. Yes. Like, just because Mobius doesn't recognize him doesn't mean it's the same universe we saw earlier. It might be right. exactly the same, except this is one of the ones where Evil Kang took over, right? Right. So we don't even have an answer to where he actually is currently standing. We just know he's in this place where people don't know who he is. So in that way, I felt that the episode was unsatisfying. But I do recognize that this episode is just gonna is about to explode like phase four. Like phase four is about to lose its mind because Spider-Man's gonna have to deal with this stuff too. Because I don't know if you've seen the casting, but there's gonna be a lot of Spider-Men in Spider-Man. Yes. Like there's just gonna be a lot of people in it. So if we're talking about things ripping through time and multiverses and stuff like that, this was the key event that started it all. 
And that's why Loki is important in that way. As in the show is important as it is the springboard to the next level of things, I guess. Yeah, like MCU things aside, this is looking at it as, as like a TV series even. I mean, even though I know it's a streaming service, you know, it's treated more as a season finale rather than a series finale. So, you know, if you scale your expectations back that way, I mean, yeah, there's a lot more questions, but it's not like I'm not going to answer it. And, you know, I, I like the little call. Well, I'm not sure if there's a direct callback or if I'm reading too much into it, but, you know, this, Loki's whole love is a dagger thing from oh, when yeah. they're on the train. And then how, you know, that was turned back on him, you know, right before he kisses himself. Uh, but... <laughs> Honestly, if you if you watch that fight scene, if you watch that fight scene, I I, I saw some like Easter egg video where you, if you watch that fight scene and you have his um if if you have his speech playing in the background about like love is a dagger and that sort of stuff, you can literally see every single part of it happen and then it just gets really sad. Yeah, like you can see every single part, like the part where they're fighting each other, the part where he like reaches out and then she just like pushes him away, like all that sort of stuff. If you like overlay the, the two of them, you, it's all there. In that like, does, it end, does it end with the part where like she kicks him into the portal, like coincide with the, and it's gone? Because that'd be pretty cool. No, or, I, I mean, I'm not saying like literally timeline by timeline, it'll line up. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if you listen to like the paragraph or the sentences, each sentence, you can see where in the fight scene that sentence is kind of thing. So I think that was probably the really interesting part. And then obviously we talked about it. Jonathan Majors um, was great being this like quirky. I mean, he was super quirky. Um, I love that he was eating, eating an apple. I mean, some people are calling the apple the callback because Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I just think it's funny because yeah, a lot of supervillains eat apples because it just proves that they are a holes. So it's just like, oh, let's just give him an apple so he can be an a hole. Um, but I did like how quirky he was, uh, and how yeah, I don't know if there's a better word for that than quirky. <laughs> I mean, speaking of, uh, of he who remains, it's not technically Kang, or they've never said the word Kang, but. You mentioned earlier determinism versus free will. So now that we're talking about the finale, I just really enjoyed the fact that he kind of, kind of, he really stirred the pot and starting oh, yeah. that mistrust with, with Sylvie. And then, you know, knowing that he was, that she was going to kill him and that, you know, the whole, I'll, like, I'll, I'll see you soon. And then the wink. And you were, oh, you were talking about like the, genius. you were talking about like the manipulating thing and like how, Loki is like conniving and that sort of stuff. He just got masterclassed by someone that's even better at it, in my opinion. Right? Like every little thought was brought in because he knew he 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 knew that the second they walked in, it was already checkmate. It wasn't even like it didn't even matter. Because literally we are entering a loop where what I what probably could happen is Evil Kang comes back, multiversal war, one Kang survives, creates a TVA, and we literally just loop all over again. So that's what I think when he says, like, I'll see you soon, is because he knows this is going to loop yeah. over and over and over again. So by the time they get in, he, he's already like, I already win. Like, I, yep. I can say whatever I want. But, like, building off of what you said, every little line he said, um, especially when he's like, Sylvie, can you really trust this guy? Yep. Game over. Like, easy. And then even his line says, uh, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Game over. And it was, it was, it was a masterclass in, like, slowly like turning them against each other and if you're into cinematography and that sort of stuff if you watch a lot of the scenes where they're sitting next to each other there's a huge crack in the middle between the two of them that's like from the setting but it's a symbol it could be a symbolism way of it saying like this is where the divide with them will begin and then they fight yeah yeah i guess push through the thing blah blah blah, blah. 
So to me, I like that. I like when the big bad, like Thanos, for example, and it sounds like they're going to do with Kang, are just really well-developed. They're just not, like, evil people. I mean, you can argue with me that Thanos in Endgame is just an evil guy trying to do evil things, but Thanos in Infinity War, pretty thought out. Pretty, like... Like, there were moments where I was like, eh, he kind of makes sense. I don't agree with his methods, but, you know, kind of is right, like, overpopulation and all that sort of stuff. So I... I We'll see where Kang takes this, but he's he's no dummy. Like he's... I think my I think my bias will will lead me to uh, argue on this point though. I mean, you're saying that Loki got masterclass, and yes, he technically did. But at the same time, I feel like it kind of loops back to something that was said earlier in the series, where you know sometimes with Loki, I think I forgot if he asked himself this out loud or whatever it is. But you know, is he destined to lose? Like, is that is that the way of keeping the sacred timeline whole? Like the fact that he does lose because if you think about it, he wasn't the one who was outsmarted. Kang got, got to Sylvie and got to, to play on her mistrust. And then Loki was the one who kind of, he kind of sniffed it out. And I mean... Saying that's your bias. Oh, yeah, oh, it totally is. And because, and I forgot to mention this during my, my little spiel earlier, but yeah. again, like with Loki, and then you see all the different variants and you see that he has, that he can be successful. You know, he can kill Thor, he can kill yeah. Thanos and whatnot. I mean, if you think about it, look, like even Thor didn't understand, but if you go back to Endgame, if, if Thanos didn't have all the stones, Loki went for the head. He knows what yeah, to do. That's fair. Loki, Loki's always right. He just seems to always have to lose in order to... My, my only counterpoint control. to you saying that he... That Sylvie was the one that got manipulated, because I agree with that. Like, I agree that he sniffed it out, and I agree that she was... I don't want to blame her for everything, but oh, she yeah. was the linchpin in all this, right? She was the decision maker, and she changed it was then the two of them are playing chess through her. So he didn't really come up with an answer that would have sufficed that like turned her thoughts, right? So that's my only like argument in that. I don't think he did win, right? But I agree with you that they didn't lose because of him, right? He, he, He sniffed it out, like you said. He figured it out. He, if anything, we don't know what he really thought, but if anything, the fact that he was like, okay, let's just take a minute to think about this. Yeah. The fact that we just learned about the universe and like how it started, let's just not like emotionally like charge in, right? But but at that point, Sylvia was already planned because like she yeah. she had revenge on her mind the whole time. So I mean, I and the thing is, you remember she's been doing this since she was like what six? Can't blame like, her. You can't blame her, right? She. I mean, she, you can, this, but I w- I won't. I thought I thought a really cool thing that I I kept thinking about was at the beginning when she's standing at that door and she's like about to walk through that door. Like I remember like thinking in my head like. Just open the door. It's so easy. But and then I thought about it and I was like, can you imagine what it's like that you're chasing something for I don't know how old she is, but like a long time. It's actually it's in in that yeah, from running around. And to finally be there at its door. Yeah. Like emotionally, you just must be like a wreck. Like you are spending you've spent decades, if not I don't know, hundreds of years, centuries, whatever. And you're finally at the thing that has caused you all this pain and like your goals and that sort of stuff. And the amount of emotions that must be flowing through you is insane. And then Miss Minutes scares the crap out of you. Oh my god. She she's terrifying. She oh, and she's that, like, that got me. They like tinted her a little darker and her eyes were a little I was like, man, you are scary. Like I don't want to deal with you no more. Like, ugh. Um, but with that, do you have any other final thoughts on Loki before we move to Black Widow? Well, now that I mentioned Miss Minutes, I just want to say uh I hope they have more Miss Minutes because I love Tara Strong because look, yeah. if you name any any childhood character. She probably voiced them, so I love Tara Strong. Oh, she was great. 
uh, Miss Minutes, I thought was hilarious. And low key, I was, uh, um, I was playing with my, I was watching with my friend. And right before the elevator opens, and I go, dude, what would you do if Miss Minutes is the one behind all this? And then she popped up, and I was like, wait, I was kidding. No, I don't really want her to be behind all this. I was kind of kidding. <laughs> no, they, they got me there for a second, too. <laughs> um, moving on to the next one was Black Widow. So I had the privilege of seeing this like two days ago, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Um, it was not, <laughs> this is not to bag on like F9, because I love all those movies. But it was nice to see a movie with like logical plot at least that like had a normal flow of like okay we do this then we do this then we go here whereas F nine was just kind of like all over the place. But you mean you didn't love the part when Natasha went into space randomly? <laughs> exactly. That kind of seemed that kind of seemed a little out of place there. But I liked the movie. I liked that this one was a little bit more spy like. It kind of brought back like the Winter Soldier stuff in terms of uh, more grounded in reality sorta. But Overall, I liked it. I liked yeah, the character building. James Bondy. Yeah, it, it had the James Bond. Um, my friend referenced like Jason Bourne was another good one. Yeah. So to me, I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, there are definitely certain continuity things that I did not enjoy. Um, that we can talk about <laughs> in a second. But yeah, so overall, I liked the movie. I liked watching this faux family interact. Mm-hmm. There are moments where I forgot that Yelena. And Natasha are not actually sisters, and I actually was like, "Oh, they're actually sisters!" Like that's how sisters talk. And it was like the whole car scene with the vest. I loved it. It was yeah. It was just creatively done really well, and it was just that's like a, that's a very sister like that's a very excuse me that's a very siblings conversation of like oh look at this cool thing I got ah let me bag it nah but you love it though right yeah I love it it's pretty cool so like I really enjoyed that part of this movie and I think so yes I I enjoyed it. Too, and I watched it twice the first weekend and on Disney Plus. But uh, I think the thing that I, when I went into it, I didn't know the timeline. Like I didn't look, I didn't do too much research into the like the context of it. So seeing that yeah. it was framed after Civil War kind of not shook me, but it got me thinking. Okay, so got me into thinking. All right, so how do they work around everything that happened? Because you know if they're all on the run, it's like how how does this work? Like how yeah. how are we gonna do a backstory if they're not? But honestly, like, even from the beginning, and I'm not talking about the the setup with the like with the family running and whatnot. And I mean, although that was cool too. But like that montage to open the movie, like set to that cover of uh, Nirvana, I was like, damn, this is really cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, part of me wishes that if this was released before Endgame, I think people would have felt more emotional towards a certain scene and I know we said spoiler so I don't know I'm not saying it but people would have felt a lot more emotional attachment to Natasha but at the same time given the, the, the post credit scene I understand why they didn't do it until after Endgame too. Yeah and, and I think to be fair to Marvel um, with the not to go ahead and go back but with the post credit scene um, we have to remember that Black Widow was to show up before Falcon and the Winter Soldier so the fact that Val showed up it was weird that Val showed up and I was like ah Oh, oops. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, wait, she was in the other thing. And I was like, wait, technically the other thing was first and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of threw people yeah. off. But thankfully, and I, I rewatched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier scene. In either scene, she doesn't say anything that would be like, oh, you have to put this one first and then this one. It didn't really actually matter. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that thought that it would have been nice to see this before Endgame just to 
like think about oh like how does Yelena feel about this sort of stuff and like all those emotional ties um but I did like that it gives you backstory into oh, yeah. a lot of old references in terms of the Budapest stuff or the the ledgers um and the red room which I thought was cool but yeah so I in overall I like the movie I definitely like the beginning uh although the beginning with the Russian spy stuff when they're running away I was a little confused if I'm being honest like it was very hey. like like I knew who I knew who Her, Natasha was because I knew yeah. she had blue hair, but like I mean I put it together that she blue hair, but like I didn't realize all the little things, right? Like I didn't realize that she had already been trained and Melina and Alexi had already been trained, but Yelena yeah. was not trained yet. So Yelena mm -hmm. was actually a kid living in Ohio with like family and that sort of stuff, right? And then all of a sudden they're on the run, and I'm like, why are they on the run? And then they get to Cuba, and I'm like. Why are they just trading kids to Cuba? Like, I'm just really confused. So the, the beginning felt very um, confusing to me. Like, you just kind of had to know or just, like, put it together really quickly. But They, they kind of piece it together along. Yeah, it's one of those, like, you realize it as you go. But it was very, like, at the beginning, I was just sitting there like, wait, action, action, run away, plane, ah! And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's because right, I, I don't think it was until my second watch that I realized, okay, that's what they were setting up this, and that's why... You know, and just understanding more of the backstory a little bit, so... Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but, yeah, like, but like for one, me... One minor nitpick. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of nitpick, um, I, had a lot, I had a lot of them. Um, the big one for me was Taskmaster, and this was some... This is coming from someone that doesn't have a lot of comic book knowledge, but I had someone tell me about it, was in in the comics, Taskmaster is way more talkative, and he's way more Deadpool-y. Like he has personality, personality and he he talks a lot more and he's he's an actual personality so it's kind of disappointing that he or she it became that it was just Dracov's daughter and that like she's just like a mindless like soul and that kind of thing and i was like ah like meh and then also the fact that they introduced it as Dracov's daughter i was very like so cool I mean, that's, that's uh, what like the little twist but... yeah i was like oh what a twist and then but right when it twisted i was like i don't care at all i'm sorry so it didn't really like me it didn't do anything to me like when it, it's like oh time to take the mask off loki in my head i was like come on be barton i want it to be barton 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 like that would have been interesting although yeah i was cheering would, for that why would he be watching videos of himself yeah yeah i know i know but it was it was, a, it was a more of a hopeful thing where that would have been actually kind of twisty but like daughter and i'm like i don't care so that was kind of yeah when that's what happened she never said anything except for the yeah. end yeah, because when that twist happened, and then I I remember that the or earlier in the movie they said, oh, there were there were no bodies, and then and then it, it clicked for me at that moment after the reveal where I was like, oh, that's why no bodies were found. But uh, I think to play devil's advocate a little bit here with the whole task taskmaster thing, they never refer. And again, this is similar to our conversation on Kang, he remains, you know, all those. They never referred to her as taskmaster. I think they said something like. You know, Taskmaster like, Protocol. Taskmaster. Yeah, so if, like, still, I think they left the door open for, you know, the the formal, quote-unquote, Taskmaster to be introduced, and like, you know, as a way of, like, you know, just introducing the idea of a Taskmaster. So, I mean, I hope that's what the case is, because, yeah, I mean, because if it isn't, then obviously Taskmaster and, like, all the all that could go with, like, like died right there. So Yeah, because in the comics, hoping, he's a pretty big villain, too. Him. Yeah. So it's kind of disappointing. Um, so that that was probably my biggest beef with the movie. Um, and then
And then the only other one was just like little plot holes was like, for example, at the end, she gets captured by what's his face, Thunderbolt Ross or whatever. And then it's like two weeks later, she gets a Quinjet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. okay, let's just do a two week sentence and I'm out. I cut like, my hair and dyed my hair. And, uh, yeah. Right. Like, like some of it, you could tell kind of felt like it was doing retro, like they were doing it retroactively. So it was kind of like, yeah. hmm, we need to think of a way to get her to have blonde hair. Let's have her look at this pair or box of <laughs> hair bleach or whatever you do to color your hair. It's like, okay, that's cool. And then like the whole vest thing, like just cracked me up. Cause it was just like, oh, everyone really wanted to know where that vest came from. And I'm like, I didn't, <laughs> I was not one of those people. I didn't really care. So I was just like, oh, she, look. I think this, there's like an interview where she mentioned how like how Natasha hadn't had a wardrobe change and then she just mentions how, oh, in this movie I get a vest and then no yeah. one knew what it meant until this happened. So I was like, I was not privy to this until after the fact, but I think it's a cool little like Easter egg. Yeah, it's a cool little throw in, but like in the larger scheme of things, I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so those are my big beefs. Um, I don't know if you had any uh, in particular with the movie, but yeah. And, then, and speaking of kind of just like trying to fill in the timeline and trying to fill in the like the areas that weren't addressed directly wasn't it or i guess would that mean she was she found cap first because wasn't cap the one who showed up at the she found cap first i i rewatched okay. that cutscene. she found cap first because the cutscene is someone standing in the prison and then cap walks out it's of cap. the shadow yeah yeah okay so so i'm trying to figure out that but yeah uh and so you mentioned the sweater, so I think it's time we talk about the MVP of this movie. Oh yeah, Yelena, without a doubt. Kidding me? Like, yeah, there's doubt. no one. You you can go first. I've been on a spiel for like the last five minutes, so you can go first. Oh no, I was just joking. I, I said Val because that's not the MVP. <laughs> uh, honestly, Yelena steals the show in this. And if you haven't watched it, <laughs> wait. wait you don't think the MVP is a uh, but... fake Lenny Kravitz? Wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? You didn't think he looked like Lenny Kravitz? He totally looked like Lenny Kravitz. Totally uh, look like Lenny Kravitz. Come on. All right, I mean. Anyways, jokes aside, continue. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to like see a very good visual on that to convince you that was good. But honestly, she steals the show. You know, whether it's the whole the your poser conversation <laughs> or just I mean, that's the main one that comes to mind. But she's just very sassy. She's just very I don't know. She's she's just really cool, and I. Like, I hope she gets Clint, even though it's not Clint's fault, but I hope she gets him. And oh, sorry, did I go too far ahead? But she's amazing. No, I, she's, I, I if agree. She's I think Widow in the, t- that they're focusing on, then, uh, yes, all in. Like, I like that she's going to take the mantle of the Black Widow. Like, that's without a doubt. Um, because A, she's going to, she did really well with that. And I just think that they're the way that she, who I'm looking up at the actress's name right now, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, yeah. Fantastic. Like, if you, if you, I need to send you this clip. It's really funny. It's on YouTube. It's uh, Yelena being chaotic for five minutes. And it's all of her best lines from the movie. But if you rewatch them, there's a lot of, like, her facial interactions are just really good. As an actress, yeah. she is really impressive in the way that she can conveys how she's feeling, but in a, like, nonverbal way. And it was, like, fantastic to watch that sort of stuff. I agree with the poser stuff. Even delivering lines that are just so funny and, like, uncomfortable was just, she just did it, like, with a great, like, stone face, like, and you know what I'm talking about, when Alexi is like, oh, is it your time of the month? And then oh, she's like, hey, D, but, like, D word, like, I can't have a period because I don't have any ovaries. And then she just, the way she describes it in this, like, very stoic fashion, but it's, like, gut-bustingly funny. So I thought that a lot of that sort of stuff is really funny, and then 
a lot of her little quips were really good, but I also think the that sweater. I mean, are the best, I should say. I mean, I think we were over. I think we're understanding just how good that was too. Oh yeah, the ex the genuine excitement of a human being, like in that moment, was awesome. And then even the part where she's, I I enjoyed the part where she's like they're drinking at the table and it's like, yeah, um, my you actually live out in California and uh, your husband is a teacher or something, teacher, yeah. and you you're thinking about buying a house, but you went away for the market to settle down. Like recreating that story was just so genuine. And then even even at the part at the table where she was, she talked about, like, she, I don't want to say flipped out, but she was upset that people were calling, like, the family stuff fake. You forget that she was the only one that actually experienced that as a child and as a real, like, family. So the emotion that she can convey in that scene was also great, just because, yes, yeah, so there's all these quips and all that sort of stuff, but you have to remember that there are serious moments, and this was one of those, especially when, like, Molina was talking about, like, oh, yeah, we can just mind control people, and they're just our slaves, and ha-ha, slaves, and we can tell them to die. And all that sort of stuff. And it was like, uh, she, she, she's right there. <laughs> she's literally sitting right next to you. Oh, you just reminded me of another nitpick. I mean, I know they were getting to like the climax by that point, but you know, the whole, I feel like it was almost too fast to have like Natasha and Melina to kind of just, oh, we had this whole plan and we reconciled and we did all this, you know, we didn't <laughs> yeah. tell anyone, but yeah, but, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. nitpick. Yeah, and I, I just enjoyed a lot of the cast and how they interacted together. Even Alexi was pretty good. Even the parts where he was, like, bearing his soul, and then he's like, Natasha, I have to tell you something. And Melina's like, you don't have an airpiece. And it's like, why don't I have an airpiece? Because it wasn't part of the plan. Or, like, I like I loved... That's why I really enjoyed this movie, is the characters were just done really well. Um, even Dragoff, was, I thought, was really good. Um, someone on that level... I don't want to say insanity, but someone on that level and so thought out and how dominant he was as i don't like as a dictator essentially um they just did that really well um another nitpick i guess <laughs> was the whole pheromone thing <laughs> that was just funny I, I i've seen like a lot of like online things that were just like so you're telling me she could just stand on the other side of the room and then shoot him right oh uh, okay that also works but oh and i think okay so we talked a little bit about this earlier with the discussion but so it seemed like or seemed it was really obvious by the end with the end credits that moving forward, what's Yelena's next move? Going after Clint. So, yeah. I guess where else do you think she might show up? Like, is it just going to be Hawkeye, or like, is she going to? No, like, I think help? it's going to start off as yeah. Hawkeye, and then I think I hope that after Hawkeye, Yelena's going to be on the good side because I can't root against her long enough, and it's just going to be really difficult for my soul. No one's rooting um, against her. Like, even even if she's like the bad person working with Val, like, you know how many people I saw rooting for her to to get Clint. Myself included. I just don't like it when my superheroes fight. Her? Please. That's why I can't watch Civil War. I just don't like it when my superheroes fight. <laughs> Makes me unhappy. Um, so I think what's gonna happen is she's probably gonna go she's gonna do the Hawkeye thing. And then depending where they take it, we could either see her being part of the Avengers kind of thing and doing the Black Widow stuff, or she could be part of I don't people are calling it the Thunderbolts right now, which is essentially let's call it the MCU Suicide Squad. Um, with Val leading it as Amanda Waller. Oh, okay. And she also got uh, I forgot what they read. U.S. agent. He's gonna be Thank U.S. You. agent. Um, with John Walker and Yelena and like a couple other people, you could go that way. Um, I think that's the way they're gonna go with the Thunder. They're called the Thunderbolts, I guess. But we'll see. Just because the MCU is just different in terms of it is done not like strictly by the comics, but like 
they take parts from the comics so they could spin it and do something else. Like, we've never seen WandaVision before. Like, WandaVision was pieces of a lot of other comics to come out. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. So, like, even with the Thunderbolts, and as you mentioned, WandaVision. So, you know, you have U.S. Agent, you have probably Yelena. Does Randall Boner also make a, an appearance there? Oh, he's already made an appearance in our hearts. He's by far the best character in the show. I, I cannot believe you made that poll. Um, uh, I, I doubt it. Unless they bring X-Men back, then, then the Marvel Universe has a bigger issue of who's actually Quicksilver and who's not Quicksilver, which is going to be another fun time. But I think, in general, with the MCU going the way it is, there's just so much content coming out. There's... We still have two more movies this year, by the way. I, maybe three, actually, because Spider-Man is supposed to come out really soon, too. So we're literally going to have Spider-Man, The Eternals, and Shang-Chi all come out within, like, yes. the fall. So we have a lot of answers that are going to be answered really soon. And Hawkeye, I forgot. And then there's probably some other shows that I'm forgetting. So we're going to get, like... I know, like, last year with COVID, it delayed all the MCU stuff, but they're not, like, hiding any of it. They're going to pump all of it as fast as possible. So we're going to have a lot of context and a lot of story come up really, really soon. Multiverse is open. And uh, you know what? Everything's open for business at this point. You know? Yeah, I agree. So whether, that I brings, agree. whether that starts with, by bringing all the Spider-Men together, whether it means welcoming mutants, whether it brings up Deadpool even. I mean... Oh, oh please. Please give me Deadpool and MCU. I'm excited for that to happen. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to this edition of the 50 Thought Podcast. If there are ever any topics that you want us to discuss, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at 50 Podcast, where you can put in any topic request in our highlights. You know, like talking more about Randall Boner. You can find me on Instagram at Kenneth underscore Camaclang. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next week.